0: Bartholin cysts or abscesses are predominantly found in women of childbearing age. The incidence of Bartholin cysts is most often noted at the onset of puberty and increases with age until menopause. Symptomatic Bartholin cysts and abscesses account for 2% of all gynecological visits per year. In this session, we're going to review the pathophysiology, diagnosis, and management of Bartholin's gland abscess. In males, the bobourethral glands or the cowper's glands are the homologues of the female's barthling glands. In males, the bobourethral glands are two small, pea sized glands located behind and lateral to the urethra. The glands' lobules produce alkaline mucus, and a single duct carries a mucus into the urethra. This mucus counteracts trace amounts of acid left over from urine, which can interfere with the motility of sperm. On the other hand, the female's Bartholin's glands, which again are the homologs of the Cowper's glands in the males, are two pea-sized clustered glands situated under the skin on either side of the lower part of the vaginal orifice at roughly 5 and 7 o'clock. Like the bobo-urethral glands of the male, the Barthlin's glands secrete a mucus secretion mostly for vaginal lubrication, which can be increased during sexual arousal. As for anatomical positioning, several locations of the clock have been used to describe the Barthlin's locations. For example, some articles describe them at 4 and 8 o'clock while others describe them at 5 and 7 o'clock. Nonetheless, they are both at the right and left lower quadrants of the lower part of the vagina. Nonetheless, each gland has a narrow duct that is about 2 centimeters in length with an opening between the labia minora and the hymenal ring. The duct opening is usually not visible. The Bartholin's glands secrete mucus to provide vulvar lubrication during sexual arousal. When the duct of the gland becomes obstructed, a cyst or an abscess, which is usually anywhere from 1 up to 8 centimeters in size, may form. Most cysts are asymptomatic and do not require evaluation unless specific pressure or other complaint is found, which at that point they are not asymptomatic. Nonetheless, abscesses usually require treatment to prevent them from leading to excess morbidity. Traditionally, the treatment of choice for an abscess was an incision and drainage or an IND alone. However, the first line now includes placement of a word catheter, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. Bartholin's gland abscesses, or cysts, are predominantly benign when observed in women younger than 40 years of age. However, if the first presentation of a Bartholin's gland abscess, or a cyst, occurs in a woman aged 40 or older, then a punch biopsy should be performed to rule out the rare, but possible Bartholin gland adenocarcinoma abscesses and cysts are not often observed in this population. Again, that's over the age of 40, and it's important to rule out a more significant pathology. Before we get into management specifics, a quick word about bacterial origin. For Bartholin's abscesses, historically, they were considered almost pathognomonic for gonorrhea or chlamydia. While it is recognized and known that gonorrhea and chlamydia can indeed infect the Barthens glands and cause an abscess, the more typical is a polymicrobial nature of infection. So, while routine cultures are not typically recommended, For patients at high risk or with a history of recurrent gonorrhea or chlamydial infections, it may be prudent to consider culture of the abscess for gonorrhea or chlamydia. Or, similarly, obtaining a vaginal or cervical vaginal swab for gonorrhea or chlamydia may be considered in these cases. Okay, we've laid down some groundwork. Let's come back and we're going to talk about management of the abscess. In many cases, performing only a simple IND procedure of the Barthens gland abscess is not therapeutic and can lead to a recurrence. Instead, IND with placement of a small word catheter to allow drainage and prevent reaccumulation of fluid is highly recommended and is first-line treatment. If a word catheter is not available, an 8-French pediatric Foley catheter can be substituted. Wound packing is another option if either of these two catheters is not available. Routine culture of the Barthens gland abscess drainage is not recommended because the results are rarely useful. Treatment with oral antibiotics is also not routinely prescribed and is considered controversial cultures often contain multiple pathogens that are considered to be normal vaginal flora. There is a caveat, however, for the use of oral antibiotic therapy for patients that are on immunosuppression, for example, long-term steroid use, or who are on immunomodulators or are otherwise deemed slightly immunocompromised, for example, uncontrolled diabetics or patients who present with other constitutional systemic symptoms like fever and chills can be considered candidates for oral antibiotic therapy. Also, although it's based largely on expert opinion, remember that's level C opinion, those who have surrounding large amount of induration and cellulitis and antibiotics can be considered. A final caveat to the use of oral antibiotic therapy are in patients who present with recurrent Bartholin's abscesses. In these patients, although routine culture is not advised, in these patients with recurrent episodes, a culture can help guide antibiotic therapy and empiric use of antibiotics can be considered. When oral antibiotics are considered and employed, they should cover staphylococcal, specifically MRSA, and streptococcal species, as well as enteric gram-negative aerobes, including E. coli. Antibiotic choices include Bactrim, Augmentin, Clindamycin, or cefixime and Clindamycin. Alright, on to procedure specifics. Although it is not a sterile procedure, a mask with a facial and a gown are recommended since if the abscess is under pressure at the moment of incision, a large amount of material may spray onto the practitioner. Now, allergy history should also be obtained before beginning the procedure, as the word catheter is typically composed of latex. So, marsupialization should be the procedure of choice in those with latex allergies. Of course, if the patient has an iodine allergy, then another type of topical antiseptic should be applied rather than topical iodine. After appropriate cleansing of the area, a small amount of anesthesia can be given, usually about 3 to 5 mLs, of a 1% lidocaine solution. A small, approximately 3 mm, vertical incision should be made with a number 11 scalpel along the mucosal surface of the labia minora to avoid obvious scarring and to reduce the risk of word catheter displacement. Purulent discharge evacuated may be sent to the lab for cultures if required, but as we previously discussed, this usually is of no value. However, in cases where this is highly recurrent, then cultures can help gauge further antibiotic therapy, since another caveat to the use of oral antibiotics is a patient who keeps developing recurrent abscesses. If required, again, that's typically if the patient is over 40, then a small punch biopsy of the capsule can also be obtained and sent to the lab. Word catheters are then inserted with the balloon tip sitting within the abscess cavity. It's important to inflate the balloon tip with 3 up to 5 mLs of saline in order to prevent slippage of the word catheter device for comfort and to reduce the chance of displacement, the external portion of the word catheter is pushed into the vagina. Word catheter should then be left in place for at least four weeks for appropriate drainage and tract epithelialization. What about the patient who has successfully had a word catheter placed but yet develops a recurrent episode? Well, in these patients, marsupialization should be considered and performed. Let's talk about that next. The routine use of pre-procedure prophylactic antibiotics is not recommended unless there is suspected cellulitis or the patient is considered somehow immunocompromised. Although possible to perform in an office setting, the most traditional approach is to take the patient to the operating room for a minor day surgical procedure. Once the patient is properly anesthetized, a thorough bimanual exam should be performed. This helps the surgeon determine the borders and extent of the cyst or abscess. Once properly prepped and draped, the bladder is drained with a straight catheter. A Foley catheter can be placed at the discretion of the physician. The labia are retracted digitally and the introitus is exposed so that the entire surgical field is visualized. If local anesthetic is to be used, it's applied to the area immediately surrounding the cyst with care taken not to enter or puncture the cyst wall. A 1.5 to 2 centimeter vertical incision is then made over the mucosa just distal to the hymenal ring and on the wall of the gland at the cyst site. Care must be taken to ensure that the opening into the gland is sufficient to promote adequate drainage. Any bleeding noted can be controlled with sponges or by suction. The wall of the gland is then incised and the cyst contents are evacuated. This can be accomplished with gentle expression or with irrigation. At this point, cultures of the fluid are obtained and sent to the lab. Now remember, routine cultures for a first episode Bartholin's abscess is not recommended, but for these recurrent episodes, cultures are recommended. The walls of the cyst are grafts with ALICE clamps. Absorbable suture like polysorb or vicryl is used in an interrupted or continuous fashion to suture the wall of the cyst to the introitus laterally and the vaginal mucosa medially. The marsupialization is now complete. We've just covered the procedural steps of marsupialization for a Bartholin cyst or abscess that's recurrent. But remember, it's important to educate patients as part of informed consent that while marsupialization traditionally represented the more advanced treatment option in these cases, it's not the only option. A randomized trial of 159 women with Bartholin cysts or abscesses treated with either marsupialization or silver nitrate ablation of the cyst wall found no significant difference in recurrence from 6 months up to 2 years. However, those women with the silver nitrate compared to marsupialization had significantly less scarring. So it's important to note that while we always have learned that marsupialization is the more advanced or end-of-the-road treatment for these women, there are other therapies that can be used. For example, silver nitrate ablation of the cyst wall or even carbon dioxide laser vaporization of the cyst cavity. Alright, now before we get to the end of our podcast, we have to remember that part of informed consent for marsupialization has to do with notifying the patient of some potential complications. Complications vary in the risk of development, but can include cyst or abscess recurrence, post-op infection, dyspareunia, unresolved pain, scarring, and neuropathy. Thankfully, these latter risks are rare. The biggest risk seems to be with recurrence, with rates of recurrence varying from 2% up to 25% with various periods of follow-up being considered. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. We have covered the Bartholin's Gland Cyst and Abscess and Current Therapy. Thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.